Uh, let's talk about decision making and talk about God's will. Uh, who was here last week? Got you. All right, let's review a little bit then. For the half of you that, mmm, shame. Anyway, anyway. Uh, so we're talking about God's will. We're talking about discernment. We're talking about how to make decisions, okay? So there's a lot going on there. And uh, we talk about how decisions are tough, especially like decisions around like, what job am I going to have? Where am I going to live? Uh, the big ones in our lives. Who am I going to be with for the rest of my life? Those kinds of decisions. We talk about that all the time. And then it, I said it makes it even harder when we put God's will into that, right? It gets a little bit more difficult because God's will can be a tricky thing. And most of us, I think, probably consider God's will to be this really narrow kind of thing, right? There's one will for us, and I hope I'm living it out the right way, and if I'm not, then God becomes a little bit of a Greek God, right? A Greek God who's like, oh, you're not living out my will, thunderbolts, right? <laughs> like, that's what happens to us. No, I mean, like, so uh, somebody I know, uh, they were like, hey, I, I've gotten into three accidents this year, and I think it probably wasn't God's will for me to have this car. Like, I rushed into it, and I said, that has nothing to do with God's will, and everything to do with the fact that you're a bad driver. <laughs> that's it. Bottom line. Um, so, so we don't want to be we don't want to be so narrow about the will of God as to think that, is, that we didn't pray about getting a car and that's what happens to us, right? Um, and so, what I said last week, if you were here, I said, hey, listen, when we're making big decisions, know this: know number one that God is at work in you. That's good news. God is at work in you. And some of you are like, but not me. No, all of us. We're all children of God. Full stop. God's at work in us. Be ready for whatever's going on because it's going to bring reverence and awe and expectation. Reverence, awe, and expectation. That's what I said. I said reverence and awe because, you know, even like the worst of things that happen, like maybe that wasn't part of God's will, but God's like, I'm going to use this thing to bring about peace in some way. And there's reverence and awe from that, right? And expect that even though something might be difficult or bad or it doesn't feel good, that there, there's, there's an expectation that it is going to bring peace to God's kingdom regardless, okay? So I said, hey, in our big decisions... Reverence, awe, expectation. It still doesn't help us make the decision, though, does it? And that's what we need. We need help making the decision. I need help making the decision. There's an internet troll that we have that visits Forefront. And um, they're a wonderful person. And uh, they post a lot about how we're heathens and whatnot. And last week, they posted, to, uh, they posted and they said, Hey, um, you're a humanist church. You don't use the Bible. And I was really offended. And I was offended because I exegeted a passage using the Greek last week. Like, I was really in the Bible. Like, I was in it. You know, and I was like, they didn't pay attention to this. But then they messaged me. And they said, hey, this series is dumb because all the answers are in the Bible. You'll be able to figure it out that way what God's will is for your life. And then they told me to repent and that Jesus was coming soon. So I'm warning all of you as well. Okay? So, so I said to myself... What do we do? You know, it, it, are all the answers in the Bible, starting with, should I respond to this person? That was the first thing. Like, and so I, I wanted to get practical about some of the decisions that we make. So let's get practical today. Today's going to be a really practical message. Are you okay with that? Yeah. All right, practical. So I was like, okay, how do I respond? I read Proverbs. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Good place to start. And Proverbs says this. It says, don't answer a fool according to their folly, or you yourself will be just like them. <laughs> and I said, this is good. This is good. Um, I said, I know what to do now. Maybe this troll is right. There is all the answers in the Bible. And then I, then I read the next chapter. Or I didn't even read. Listen, I didn't even read the next chapter. I didn't even read the next passage. You know what I did? I read the next line. And you know what the next line says? Do not answer a fool according to their folly, or you will self, your yourself will be just like them. Answer a fool according to their folly, or they will be wise in their own eyes. Next, next line. 
Right? It's contradiction. And I'm like, well, what do I do? Do I answer them or do I not answer them? This is really, really difficult. And so I pondered on that. But then I pondered on the big decisions i got to make in my life right now. And i got to be honest, and I talk about my kids a lot, but I'm going to keep doing that because that's important. And I'm trying to figure out how I raise my kids right now as they don't need like, the physical parenting anymore. They're getting older. They kind of need some of like, the mental help, the social help, that kind of thing. And then like, there's a sense in which... Um, Essentially, my parents like really forced Christianity upon me, which made me push back a lot. And I left the church partly because of that reason. So as my kids get older, do I let them figure out Christianity on their own? How do I, how do I connect them to being a Christ follower? All these questions in my mind. And I'm like, well, this person says I could find the answers in the Bible. So I look at, you know, what it says about children. And it says, start children off on the way they should go. And even when they are, they are old, they will not turn from it. Start children off the way they should go. When they're old, they will not turn from them. I think that's good. You know what that's like? That's like going to the doctor and being like, I'm worried about coronavirus. And the doctor goes, well, don't get sick. That's it. Like, that's what this passage is like. I get that. Like, I should raise my children up in the way. What does that mean? How do I need to do that? And so I don't know. And so I read more. And it says, discipline your children. For in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. So, so discipline your child. But don't kill your child. All right? And some of y'all parents are out there going, but it's so hard. I know. I know it's hard. All right? But we're not going to do that. And so I'm like, but discipline. So we know in Proverbs it says, spare the rod, spoil the child. It's probably Proverbs' most famous passage, sadly. Um, and so I'm like, okay, if I'm going to raise my kids up the way I should, I need to discipline them. I don't need to kill them. But I need to hit him with a rod or another type of instrument like that, right? So I'm thinking through how that's going to work. And, and, and then we also know that science says it's really bad to hit your kids, right? Do we know that science says that? Do we know it says it's like detrimental to their health, detrimental to the, the way they're raised, their upbringing? So I'm not really going to hit my kids. So I'm like, well, what else am I going to do? And then we get this beauty in Deuteronomy because I said, you know, enough of Proverbs. And it says, if someone has a stubborn, rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, a son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of the town are to stone him to death because you must purge that evil from among you. All Israel will hear it and be afraid. Thanks be to God. Right? Like, that's what I'm talking about. So, so, if you're following, raise your children up the right way. Do not kill them, but hit them with a rod or something similar. Lastly, they still don't listen, get everybody together, and stone them to death. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. Right? And this internet troll was right. All the answers I needed are in the Bible. Except you know that doesn't work, right? I know the child is crying because they know. Because they know. And that's why. So what do we do? I mean, I think about this with money. The money's the same thing. Proverbs talks all about how money is good until Proverbs talks about how it's the root of all evil. Right? That happens. And then, and then all throughout Israel's history, they're trying to gain wealth. That's a good thing. But then in Israel's history, people were exploited over money and wars were started over money. And then Jesus tells us we shouldn't save any money. But then Jesus basically preaches this entire, like, minute, like Jesus' entire ministry is like, save money so we can distribute it. Like, give it to others. So what is it? Not save? Save? Give? Not give? Like, wealthy is good. Wealthy is bad. And then you have, like, the whole idea of Proverbs, which says, um, what does it say? If you have no money, poverty is because of your own ruin, 
right? Which is the argument of every privileged white person in America, right? You know, that's, it's your fault that you're poor, right? That, that's the case. So there's a lot of conflicting things about money. Money makes the world go around, let's be honest. It decides where we live, decides what kind of job we're going to have, decides how, what kind of life we're going to have. So that's a big deal. And there's not a whole lot of unambiguous advice there either. Relationships are even worse. If you are in a committed relationship with someone and that person dies, you need to marry their brother-in-law. That's what Genesis 38 says. So I want you all to take a second to think about your brother-in-law. No? No? <laughs> well, they might become your spouse one day. Get ready, right? So, but it says that. But then Paul says, Paul says, hey, listen, don't get married unless you're burning with desire. And let's be honest, half of us, we stopped burning with desire a little bit ago. Okay, so we should end our marriages. We shouldn't be married. And, and, then, and then there's Jesus who says, hey, y'all should leave your parents and come together to get married. But then in Matthew 13 says, no, wait, you should all be eunuchs for the sake of the gospel. So what is it? Get married or become a eunuch? What do we want to do here? Do we see how maybe our internet troll friend is not exactly correct in this, right? I decided not to um, engage because I thought they don't want authentic engagement. And so um, what ends up happening is, is we still have this place where God's will isn't as easy as we want it to be. Now, I want to tell you something. I want to tell you why all these contradictions feel to me like really, really good news. Can you believe it? It feels like good news. Why does it feel like good news? Because I see evidence of God's will in these contradictions because I see God saying, you are my child. And because you're my child, guess what you're going to do? You're going to work this out without unambiguous text to help you. Like, because you're my child, you have free will. You have infinite choices in, in, in what my will is for you. You, you should know that. And, and what's going to happen is you're going to have to work this out in different ways. In fact, you're going to have to test some things to see if it works, and it might not work, it might fail. And then you'll test some other things, and that might work, and you move forward that way. And that's sort of what the contradictions of Scripture show us. That's still not good news. <laughs> but it is what we all do, right? Lots of testing, lots of seeing it's going to work out. So really, I mean, like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, God, you think enough of us that you give us wisdom. And you give us wisdom, and you allow us ways in which we get to mess that up, and we're still your children. And then you give us more ways in which we can try to work in those gray areas to figure out what your will looks like in our lives, specifically to us. I have two daughters. They're different people. I'm going to raise them differently, which means wisdom for one is going to look different than wisdom for the other, right? And we know that. And that's what contradiction is telling us. See it as good news. Don't see it as like, i got to figure this out. There's one way. See it as Contradictions show us there's a bunch of ways. And for thousands of years, people have been trying to figure out those bunches of ways in our scriptures. And that's what makes them holy. That's what makes them inspired. We get to see how people messed up and got it right before us, just like we're going to mess up and get it right. Amen to that? Amen. All right. So what do we do, though? Because we still need a template or some help in making a decision. And this is where I feel like Scripture throws us a bone. Uh, and I'm going to jump. I'm jumping all the way from Proverbs, and I'm jumping all the way to Galatians. Now, in Galatians... What ends up happening is there's this brand new church, and this brand new church, uh, they're Jewish uh, in culture, right? And so they have a bunch of laws that are unambiguous and helpful. And they say, hey, Paul, those laws were helpful for us at, for a time, but now we're, we're following Jesus. They're not as helpful anymore, and we're stuck. We don't know how to make decisions. We don't know exactly where we're going, and we don't know exactly what God wants from us. And Paul says, listen, I'm going to help you out. This is what it looks like. And he gives us this gem, and this is a gem. And he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these 
things. Paul says, hey, God's will, it's infinite. It's going to send you a bunch of different directions. Some of them will make sense. Some of them will not. But you have a template. And the ones that you, and here's the template. When you're, when you're testing this stuff out, are they bringing love? Are they bringing joy? Are they bringing patience? Are they bringing these things? If they are, you can be pretty certain that you're following in God's will for your life. Like, that's the bottom line, right? It, it, we have a, a, a million different ways we can go, but is it bringing this? So now when I'm raising my kids, I'm, I'm looking at each of them individually, and I'm saying, hey, my job is to bring joy, patience, love, kindness. I want to bring these things to you. And when I discipline my kids, I'm not going to hit them with a rod. I'm not going to stone them. But what I'm going to say is, hey, this missed the mark on bringing love, joy, patience, and kindness. All right, that's what we want to do in our lives. We want to do this. This is the thing, the template with, with which we get to work, right? This becomes kind of good news for us, because all of a sudden, we can do whatever we want to do, and you're like, okay, great, I can do whatever I want to do. <laughs> but then you get to say, but is it going to bring these fruits? Is it going? Because if it is, then I know I'm pretty much on the right track. I know this is the will of God that I'm bringing, right? Now, here's the thing with this. Now, this is the thing. It doesn't always mean that fruits are good news. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's really hard. Take this church, for example. <laughs> Last week, what did I say to y'all? I said I wasn't necessarily called um, to be a part of this church, and so I've failed a thousand times in this place. I mean, more times, than, I mean, like, legitimately, I've failed a thousand times. But when I look at this church, and when I see people in it, and when I hear your stories, it is bringing fruit over and over and over again. And so people say, how did you come up with, like, this vision to usher in the next 500 years? You know, the vision's a little risky, and plus, you're doing some things that are a little controversial. I'm like, I know, but every time we test these things that we're doing, they all bring the fruits of the Spirit. Every time we tell somebody they're included when before they weren't, that's going to bring a certain level of joy. And every single time we tell somebody they're, they're loved when they've been told they haven't, they're not, that's going to bring, ready for it, love. Like, these kinds of things happen, right? We get to see the fruits of the Spirit in this. And so we know that even though there's been failure and hardship and struggle, that our church is on the track where we are doing God's will and doing it mightily. And that's exciting, right? So that's number one. Sometimes it's not going to feel all that great, but it doesn't mean that you're not doing God's will. In fact, how many people have ever heard of St. Ignatius? St. Ignatius. Anybody go to one of the Loyola universities? Yes! <laughs> I was nervous because last service we didn't have anybody. And usually we have like two or three people. Thank you. I'm glad you're here today. Um, so, so yeah, so St. Ignatius, do you know St. Ignatius? Yeah, so St. Ignatius was, was part of like, he, he, he was St. Ignatius of Loyola. And St. Ignatius gives us some really practical advice. He goes, hey, listen, when you're trying to figure out life and you're looking at the fruits of the Spirit, they're going to bring about consolations and they're going to bring about desolations. Now, consolations are going to be good things. And so paraphrasing here, he says, you're going to move into, you're going to move lockstep with what God is doing. Like, when you're in the fruits of the Spirit, all of a sudden, you're going to get closer to God. All of a sudden, it's going to make more sense for you, right? It doesn't always feel good, but it's going to be a thing that's going to bring that joy. It's going to bring that peace. And so he says, when you're figuring out a big decision, look at the consolations around it. Is it bringing good? Is it bringing the peace that God intends? Is that happening in your life? Think about that. If you haven't made the decision yet, it's like, do you think this is going to bring peace? Do you think this is going to bring joy? Do you think this is going to bring consolations to your life? That's what Ignatius asks us to do. Now, one word of caution, one more word of caution about consolations. There is something out there, and it's called the law of limerence. Have you ever heard of the law of limerence before? The law of limerence uh, is a br your brain legitimately changes. Your chemistry changes in your brain 
to see people, new jobs, new places with rose-colored glasses. Okay? It usually happens most in relationships. If you've been in a relationship from 0 to 12 months, you know about the law of limerence. Right? Because you're like, this person can do no wrong in my life. And I, I say this a lot. I remember, I'm going to call out my wife. <laughs> when we were in the law of limerence stage, somebody said, um, does your, hus- does your, well, your soon-to-be husband, does he have any faults? And she was like, I don't think he's got any faults. <laughs> That's what the law of limerence does to y'all. It makes really, really busted people think they have no faults at all. Law of limerence is something, is, is, you know, we might feel like there's a consolation there, but it's our brain chemistry tricking us. So when people come up to me and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to take it to the next level in this relationship. I'm like, how long y'all been together? And they're like, five months. And I'm like, <laughs> 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 all right, all right. You feel the consolation? Oh, there's so many consolations. We're right in line with what God's up to. Yeah, okay. Talk to me again in 12 months. Let's see how that goes. Right? Because after 12 months, we're kind of like, oh, this person does have a lot of faults. Or this place isn't that great. Or I want to give my kid back. Or like the job or whatever the case may be. Right? Like we don't feel the same way about that. We feel differently. So beware of the law of limerence. That's a tough one. Right? It feels good at the time. But give it time. We don't have to rush into any decision. And then Ignatius goes, hey, what about desolations? He goes, is the thing you're doing, the job you're doing, the person you're with, are they bringing you closer to God? Or are they actually like moving you away from God? Like when you, are, you think you're doing God's work, but really you're filled with anxiety. And, and you think you're doing God's work and you're filled with resentment. And you're doing God's work, but you're filled with like selfishness. You're filled with, with whatever it might be. You're doing God's work and you're like, this thing was God's work. And I started off, but now I'm making so much money and I've become a bit of a miser with it. Well, that's a desolation. That's a desolation. I want to speak really quickly about desolations. I just said words like anxiety and words like resentment and things like that. Now, now if you're like me, I've said it a bunch of times, I, I, I struggle with depression and anxiety. Depression and anxiety are not desolations. That's your brain doing something that your brain just is doing, okay? It has nothing to do with being in and out, in or out of God's will. And we're going to usher in the 500 year, years of Christianity a lot faster when we destigmatize mental health, okay? So just to note, if you suffer like I do with some of that stuff, I'm not talking about that. That stays on the outside. I'm talking about the parts of our life where, like, let's say, hey, I took a job and I'm charging people 25% interest to buy a TV. Like, probably not a good idea. Probably going to bring about some desolations, right? But at the same time, and this is at the same time, most of us don't have jobs like that. Most of us have these really kind of like, okay, what's it going to be? Is it going to, you know, I'm an architect and I build commercial spaces. What do I do in that? we got to test it still to see if there's desolations there. When I'm an architect building commercial spaces, are the people that I'm with toxic? Am I being toxic because they're toxic? I was talking with a pastor last week out in L.A., and he, he just quit. And I said, when did you know it was time to quit? And he goes, I love people. He's like, I absolutely love people. But I, know, I knew it was time to quit when I looked at my schedule, and I saw I had to meet with all these people all week long, and I just got angry and resentful that I had to do it. And I was like, that is a desolation. And that's when you know it's time to have the, ready, the courage the courage to make the decision to move forward. So we're going to test those things out. Like I said, this is a practical message. Let's review. Want to review? God's will is huge. It could go any number of ways. It could go millions of different ways for you. You have a template. The template is, is this decision I'm making bringing the fruits of the Spirit? Is it bringing peace? Is it bringing joy? Is it bringing love, kindness, faith? Is it bringing those or not? Well, let me test it. Let me look at my consolations and desolations. Let me look at what's going on in my life. And let me have the courage to move in that, knowing whatever God is up to, 
is going to bring awe and reverence and expectation. So, let's practice. I want to close the service by practicing that. And this is a prayer that St. Ignatius did. And it's a prayer that usually lasts about an hour, okay? We're going to do it for a minute and a half, okay? But I want it to be a practice for you, something that you could practice that you could take with you this week. I'm going to ask the band to come up while we pray. And it's going to be a prayer. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to do this. Number one, give thanks. If there's a big decision we have in our life, that's a good sign. It's not a bad thing necessarily. Give thanks. Maybe it's a decision for such a time as this. And secondly, ask God for light. God, give me the light to see maybe different angles on this decision. Maybe some of the wisdom, some of the contradictions in this decision. Give me light to see it through your eyes and not my own. And God, let me review this decision. Is it bringing me fruit? Is it bringing me patience? Is it bringing me love, kindness, peace, or faith? Or is it taking me another direction? When I think of this big decision, is it something that brings joy or is it bringing resentment? And lastly, look forward for all that is to come. Ask God to guide those steps. God, for all that is to come, we say thank you. For all that is to come, we give thanks that it's in your will. For all that is to come, the challenges, the good, the bad, we thank you for the way you work in it. For all that is to come, we say amen.